Welcome back to uh, yet another Michigan football podcast. We've been on a bit of a hiatus. Um, I think we took a little bit of a break uh, from recording while the team took a break from, um, you know, preparing in any way um, <laughs> to look like a competent uh, team on the field. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we, we weren't going to just leave you guys alone forever. So uh, we are, in fact, back with another podcast. Um, Connor, what are you, what have been... Uh, your thoughts on, on since the last time we recorded? Um, I you know I think that since the last time I re- we recorded, we've had like the same like three conversations over and over and over again. Truly, time is a flat circle for Michigan fans right now. Um, we were spared a uh, a game yesterday, which was merciful. <laughs> um, <laughs> a, like I I kind of th- I think they probably would have lost to Maryland, uh, just given the the trends of where the team is 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 at yeah. and has been at and the way things are going currently. Also, if they'd played, they probably would have had Dan Pilar starting quarterback, which would have at least been funny. <laughs> like I mean, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And I think like it's important to say that you know I think a lot of fans um, when their team starts doing badly uh, do that like oh I wish I you know like they do like a very performative like oh, God, like, thank God, you know, this team isn't playing now, like, blah, blah, blah. Like, can we just fast forward to the end of the season? And, like, I want to say that, like, I am someone – got to understand who you're listening to here. I – my first year in college was 2014, the last year of Brady Hope, probably the worst year of Michigan football since 2008. And I went to every game. Like, I am someone that truly does enjoy Michigan football – just for like just to sort of like see the team out there and like you know watch the game in general um even when they're not very good and i to be totally honest like i i genuinely was like relieved that they were not playing like that's the point we're at right now yeah i think that's it's worth kind of going into why that is it's not just that michigan's bad it's that it feels like every time they play now they're doing damage to recruiting they're doing damage to the future in general they're doing damage to the way that the players on the current team kind of their stance toward things you start to worry about guys transferring um like it it just feels like everyone is every time they step on the field they're making a bad situation worse and finding new ways to do so which is you know deeply unnerving in that um we've had weeks now to adjust to the reality of the season but that that has not been the rule under Harbaugh. Under Harbaugh, it's more been like a valiant fight through the season that isn't perfect, and then you kind of fight your way towards Ohio State, and you start to hope that things might break your way, and then they don't. But that's a much different arc than the sort of like completely off the rails, having to ask deep questions about what's going on in the locker room, about which players are listening to the coaches at all and which aren't. And like, I'm not going to speculate or, or point any fingers here, but like when, you know, Michigan was so good about COVID, then they have a big outbreak all of a sudden. And it's like, all right, how many of the players just decided, well, fuck this. Like, I'm going to go party because this is stupid. You kind of feel like that had to have happened, right? Yeah, I agree. Um, and I think it's like, it's, it's one thing to read into, you know, I feel like winning kind of cures all from like, whenever there's like those stories about like, oh, you know, locker room, problems i tend to think that it goes hand in hand with just losing because i've been in a football locker room before and i know what it's like when you just suck and it's like okay like yeah people are checked out like obviously you know these are 18 year old kids they're not professionals um and i would say that like a lot of times i think that that's it's just sort of a way to say that you know we've been losing 
Um, but I do think like they, you can clearly see like the vibes are all. We've talked about this before, but the vibes are all off right now with Michigan football, and it it looks like something is is clearly clearly broken. Um, and you know I think it also it's interesting what you just said there about like what seasons like this normally look like under Harbaugh, and I, I would th- I would I do think it's it's worth noting that like this is not something we've seen before with things totally going off the rails. Like the closest we saw was twenty seventeen. Um, and even then, like, I mean, Michigan played valiantly in pretty much every game that, you know, despite having John O'Corn at quarterback, um, this is a team that played a, a very competitive game against Wisconsin before they were sort of overwhelmed. Um, they played a very competitive game against Ohio State. Um, they only ever really got blown out at Penn State. Um, and, and then, you know, like sort of lost a, a you know, a, a pretty like, um, a bowl game where they led the whole way against South Carolina and then, like, just let it slip away from them at the end. Um, so, I mean, what I'm trying to say here is, like, we have not seen the, the wheels totally come off like this before, you know? Yeah, this is this is a totally new experience. Um, we might, this might be a good transition to the stuff we were talking about, like, the idea of what needs to happen if Harbaugh does come back, which still looks very possible and dan dan is i think when dan's recording i think you put on your sort of professional call face which i appreciate but in the group chat you're just like constantly raging and, and throwing things around and <laughs> i mean i look i i think that anyone that fo- anyone that listens to this follows me on twitter and anyone knows like exactly how i feel about jim harbaugh getting extended um but i think it's something that's worth talking about because like you know i mean we've made it clear what we want to happen um, I don't think Jim Harbaugh deserves an extension, no matter what, uh, you know, changes he makes from a staff perspective. Uh, it's like anything that's wrong with the program right now is is going to be wrong in the long term because this is like we've we've reached steady state under Harbaugh, and steady we've realized that steady state is not very steady. Um, so whatever. All that aside, you know, I mean, there's been some insider reports that either the athletic department wants Harbaugh to stay or Harbaugh himself wants to stay. Hard to tell where these rumors are coming from. We've seen some conflicting rumors. Um, so I would say we're really kind of like anything could happen at this point that it wouldn't totally shock me. Um, but if I like ha- it gunned to my head, if I had to put, put money on this, I'd probably bet on Harbaugh coming back um, just because I, I feel like that's where the athletic department's at. They're going to make, they're going to make, you know, some excuses. They're going to say, you know, it was a COVID thing. Um, and, you know, you like I said, you already know how I, I feel about that, how Connor feels about that. But I just feel like it's what is going to happen. Um, so with all that said, I think, you know, what we wanted to talk about is if Harbaugh comes back, you know, uh, what needs to happen that we would, like, somewhat get on board with that? Um, so, Connor, I'll, I'll sort of let you – I'll just sort of pose that question to you um in general what what would what would make you feel at least a little bit better about that happening i think there's a couple of different pieces here um you know number one is the question of coordinators i don't think anyone including presumably ward manuel and jim harbaugh thinks that don brown should stay because whatever was working before about don brown and to put it succinctly he was one of the best dcs in the country um early on in his time at michigan and there's been a slide that kind of turned into a plummet off the cliff face uh, this year. And that plummet was precipitated by 
messing up recruiting, not recruiting enough fast cornerbacks in particular and not recruiting enough defensive tackles, um, which we've talked about ad nauseum. So I think step number one, there's so many things to be said about staff in general, but step number one is Michigan needs to find a way to make a really splashy defensive coordinator hire. Um, because if you, if you remember, Don Brown, I think, had the number one or very close S&P plus defense at Boston College when Michigan hired him. I think it was number one scoring defense, at least, and very good in S&P plus. And that was a great hire. Like, you know, no revisionism needed. Um, Harbaugh went out and got the best DC he could. And I, and I think step one here is to try to figure out who you could possibly pry away and get to Michigan. To get to Michigan in a situation where Harbaugh has a rep of being hard to work with, where things are not going great, et cetera, et cetera. But I will say the flip side of that coin is you just saw Don Brown get a lot of autonomy and you probably are thinking to yourself, well, I can you know, revitalize recruiting a little bit with Michigan's resources and, and also their existing guys in the roster who are good and we can turn this ship around. So that's step number one. Yep. Yeah. I think that that's gotta be step number one. Um, I, you know, I think, I think that that's, we're, we're he- even in the rumors that we're hearing that Harbaugh will come back. We're hearing that, you know, there's going to be significant staff changes. And I, I think that needs to happen. That's a, that's a prerequisite. Um, and I think it's, it, it's clear that, you know, I mean, look, the, the, we've talked about this before, but I think um, just not even from a schematic perspective, uh, you know, that has its issues as well. But Don Brown has, the talent has steadily degraded since Don Brown's been here. And a lot of that, I feel, has been that, you know, Brown has got a, a kind of a, a, a blank slate and, a, you know, a free pass to recruit whoever he wants. And a lot of his defensive line prospects have, have like, turned out well. A lot of his linebackers have turned out well. Like, it's not been a total, total loss. But I do think that, like, his defensive back recruiting and his defensive tackle recruiting in particular are key parts of why this team is so bad. Um, so yeah, there he, he's definitely got to go. Um, so, you know, off of that tangent, um, I, I do have a list of, you know, Michigan's whole staff right now. And um, maybe we could go through and just give our thoughts on each position. Um, sure. And just sort of see like what we would like to see happen if, if Jim Harbaugh's kept around. Um so, uh, you know, Don Brown, we already talked about. I feel like we need a new defensive coordinator. Um, I, I feel like this, in terms of replacements, I'm not going to get into any specific candidates. Um, but I, I would just say that I think there are a lot of, because the head coaching positions in college football and football in general have leaned so heavily towards offensive hires, I think there are a lot of good candidates um, for, like, defensive coordinator. And I really think Michigan could could do, you know, as long as it's someone, you know, that seems to have a natu- have an idea of, like, where defense is headed in the grand scheme of college football, um, I could be really be okay with a lot of different uh, ways to go here. Um, I don't know, Connor, if you have any specific thoughts about, you know, what you would want a replacement to look like. I mean, I did some research a while ago, and, and it's kind of a bad year to be hiring a D.C. because most of the top defenses in college football are either kind of run by the head coach. That's the case with... Um, uh, Cincinnati, for instance, like Fickle's a defensive guy. Um, or it's a DC, it'd be really hard to pry away. Like, or, or they're just very old. Like Kevin Steele is someone like that. Um, you know, my, my dream pick that I just don't think is possible, I would love Jim Leonard from Wisconsin because Michigan can probably pay him more. Um, if you're him, you're working on a two-game win streak against Michigan. If you're looking to go to the NFL or become head coach, I don't know why you would switch over to Michigan the only reason would be if Michigan made you a godfather offer and you were like by far the highest paid DC in the country. But I don't have brilliant ideas, to be honest. 
Yeah, I think I think we're both on the same page here, where it's like someone that like we, they need someone other than Don Brown, um, and I think like you know Derek Mason, who just got fired from Vanderbilt, or just like some NFL defensive coordinator cast off. Like I know that's not the ideal situation, but like someone that understands recruiting and that you know is gonna let his position coordinators you know go and recruit, um, and like we said, like understands like that football is an offensive game right now. So uh, yeah, no specific. We just know we need not Don Brown. Um, so keeping in the keeping in the uh, defensive side of the ball, uh, someone that I know you have strong feelings about, um, Connor, uh, Sean Nua. Ah, you know, like he seems like a nice guy, but he's a total failure. Like he just can't, he can't <laughs> close. He, yeah, he can't no, I agree. These, like he hasn't closed any of these top defensive tackles. He's very good at getting in on guys. Like you know, he's in on uh, um, the kid out in Washington, who's like maybe the number one kid in that in the class. Uh, I'm going to mispronounce his last name, but he's probably going to Ohio State. Like, he loves Nua, right? This is a, this is a case in point. Loves Nua, texts with Nua. He's not coming to Michigan. And that goes for, just at this point, probably dozens of guys over the last couple of years. Um, and losing Rashawn Benny was kind of a watershed moment for this program and for this staff. That's on Nua. And also, like, Nua's also responsible for the fact that the defensive linemen are not as well-developed as we'd want. Um, yeah, I, I like... <laughs> I feel like he's pretty much toast and, and a dead man walking at this point on the staff. Yeah, I mean, look, defensive line is, is an area where, like, because so much of it, I feel like defensive line and defensive back are really two areas where, like, it's just talent. Like, it really, you can develop a little bit, but really, like, good defensive end prospects are going to be good defensive ends. Good defensive tackle prospects are going to be defensive tackles. And you can do your development in there, but I really do think it's it's a recruiting position, right? And you need a recruiting coach in charge of it. And the returns there have just not been there. I, I just think, yeah, that you need you need to bring in a young guy, um, someone who, you know, is a proven recruiter, and I, I think that's really all that needs to be said there. Sean Nua was brought in as, you know, supposed to be kind of like that young guy. Like, you know, he was supposed to be that, and he just hadn't. Um, and, you know, that, that that's, a, that's a position where Michigan can and should obviously make a uh, <clears throat> make a uh, an upgrade. Um so then moving on here to uh, Brian Jean-Marie. I'm not sure if it's Jean Mary or Jean-Marie, um, but uh, linebackers coach. Um, Connor, any thoughts on uh, BJM? I mean, I think he's a complicated case because if you look at the 2021 linebacker class, if, that, if it holds together, that's a really good linebacker class. And in theory, that's him, right? So he seems like a very good recruiter. Um, we also have seen Michigan's linebackers go from a like just rock solid strength of the program, kind of heart of the defense, to bad this year. So I, I, I don't know. I guess you fire him. Um, <laughs> maybe maybe fire him. And like whatever you, you do to keep those recruits coming to campus. But like, I yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. Uh, it, just a level of recruiting. But like, whatever is happening with player development there needs to not be happening anymore. Yeah, I mean, that's sort of my thoughts. I, I think that, you know, I mean, I agree that his recruiting's been good. Um, it's it's worth noting that he was brought in as, like, sort of... Uh, oh, no, he no he was a recruiting guy. Never mind. So, you know, the, he's kind of been as advertised recruiting-wise. And that's not nothing, but, like, the linebackers have been really bafflingly bad this year. Um, so I almost... I don't know. It's tough to... It's tough to say. I, I, I would say that, like... Him staying around, he's not as much as a of a need to go as uh, 
as Sean Nua. I wouldn't hate him staying around, but I would need to see like big improvement from the linebacking core next year because that's just something you can't have happen where it's a position that has been such a, a strength and all of a sudden it, it looks like they don't know what they're looking at. Um, so, you know, uh, we'll see there. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't hate keeping him around or getting rid of him. Um, but I would say, like, you know, in the event that – I could see Michigan doing, like, a full defensive staff, you know, cleaning. So, um, yeah. so uh, then next, I mean, I think one that, uh, you know, we probably don't need to talk about too much. It feels like he's maybe already got a full <laughs> foot, out the, foot out the door. Um, Bob Shoop, uh, Shab Boop. Um, I don't know. The I don't know. Of what, I don't know what's he's, he, I don't know what's going on here. Um, I he's, supposed to be, he's, like, he's like you know working kind of part time in his spare time on <laughs> yeah. Michigan football. Yeah, he's, wor- he's working remote. Yeah, <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's like sitting there in like basketball shorts, just kind of zooming in when he feels like it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, this is sort of a gotta go situation. Feels like he might already sort of be gone. Um. The recruiting hasn't been good. He was supposed to be the zone guy that they brought in, but he hasn't either been on the field, or if he has, he's done a terrible job installing zone concepts. <laughs> Somehow Michigan's I mean, like, zone is worse than their, like, man that they can't cover anyone in. <laughs> yeah, just... that really was, like, it really was sort of a twisted, like, um, you know, internet moment where it was, like, Michigan fans were like, zone, we need zone, we need zone, we need zone, and they're like, oh, you guys want zone? And then they came out and it was like, Oh, okay, never mind. I guess I guess just go back to man. I don't know. Running the worst zone so in Power Five. I want to say this about oh, shoot, yeah. by the way, since I read too much about these things. Um, the grad assistant who's like actually coaching safeties. I think his name's Ashawn Larkins. Um, he's supposedly a really good recruiter in that like he's filled the void of shoot and like the buzz from guys like Sam's that recruits love him. He's a young guy, obviously, all that stuff. Someone to to keep uh you know to to give a look as far I don't know if he should be your safeties coach necessarily but like the, that's the kind of thing Michigan needs. There's a broader point I want to make here, which is like yeah you've got young hungry guys who are good recruiters. Like I want to encourage that on the staff rather than bringing in crusty old guys who think they're genius player development dudes and like aren't and also can't recruit. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean like look, I've I've made my like I've made this clear. There should be exactly like three like two X's and O's guys. You know on staff it should be like offensive coordinator is x's and o's defensive coordinator x's and o's everyone else i honestly like would be so okay with just like an 18 year old that like knows that is like you know an ace recruiter like this it's a recruiting game and i think there's like you know i mean okay maybe offensive line is a development one you know but like really the 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 primary concern for most position group groups should be um whether or not they're like you know good recruiters um, so I would say the replacement for Bob Shoup, and I think there should be a replacement, um, should be primarily a good recruiter. Um, and, you know, maybe, uh, we'll talk about this, you know, in, in our next name here, but like maybe you replace the cornerbacks and safeties coach with sort of more of just a secondary coach. I don't know. Um, but moving on here, like I said, to, uh, Michael Zordich, who I think might be the most interesting name on the board right now. Um, Connor, what are your thoughts? I mean, Zordich does have a good track record of developing, you know, all Big Ten, borderline All-American cornerbacks at Michigan. We, we all know the names. And those guys, have, a number of them have not necessarily become stars in the NFL, but have got, been on the field at least. Um, he doesn't seem to be a very good recruiter. 
And as far as what's going on with player development, player development is kind of a black hole in general with this program right now. Like black hole in both senses, as in it's a sort of, you know, void that everything gets sucked into and, and nothing comes out of. But also this that like I don't know what's going on. And when I say I don't know what's going on, like, you know, his backup for when Vincent Gray could no longer stay on the field. And by the way, Vincent Gray has been maybe the worst starting corner in the Big Ten this year, um, regardless. But like we couldn't stay on the field against Michigan State. It was like bring in Jalen Perry, who has the exact same physical traits and exact same problems. And we haven't really seen Andre Seldon. And I just don't get it. I, I think this is a broader problem with the defense. Since we're doing defensive staff, I could make this point as well about a guy like Adam Shibley that we've talked about a lot. Like the refusal to kind of play the young guys is that is the development of the true freshmen so terrible they just do not know the defense and thus cannot play like or there's so many questions right now and my so my instinct this is a long answer sorry my instinct is to say fire Zordich because for as much as he may be a genius at developing young players um, what's happening right now is not only bad for the team currently it's bad for recruiting because when the team is bad what recruits should be seeing frankly is young studs getting a chance to play. And Michigan's defense has veered away from that, even as they've been terrible no matter who they play. And I think some of that is on guys like Zordich, honestly. Yeah, I really do think there's a, there's sort of a prevailing like um, attitude in this defensive staff that like young guys are not playing, and it feels like a consistent thing. Um, I think I think that us uh, uh, Sam or no, it wasn't Sam. It was Steve Lorenz made a point on one of their podcasts that. Um, Dax Hill was the first freshman ever to make a start on a Don Brown defense. And that's something that, like, look, me, you know, a lot of those defenses were good, so I'm not going to just, like, totally trash it. But, like, in four years, I guess, or five years, you should have more than one, um, you know, true freshman stud starting on defense, you know? Um, So... I just think it's especially when like a lot of your uh, your vets are just not showing up in the right spot. Um, so you know, I would say, I would say again, like Zordich is one of those names where I wouldn't hate keeping him around, uh, in part because it feels like in the twenty twenty two class he's finally taken a step up in recruiting. Um, but you know, you definitely need someone to. He either needs to get more involved in recruiting, or you need someone else on staff to. To take a step up and and you know be that cornerback recruiter um i would lean i i guess i would like to see him gone as well he he feels like one of these like east coast guys um in the mold of you know uh don brown you know more, he, uh, what i'm trying to say is he feels like a don brown guy that will be gone if don brown is gone um that's sort of how i feel about him um so i mean overall on defense i think our our main theme is like we want more recruiters because, you know, we gave this defense the benefit of the doubt while it was really good. And, you know, the, every, all the chickens have come home to roost. You know, it's, it's, it's cornerback play and it's defensive line or defensive tackle specifically. And, you know, it, things are going to be worse next year, honestly. Like, you're going to lose two All-American defensive ends. Um, and, you know, you're going to be playing you know, you're going to be playing a lot of these lower recruits that we hope would would develop. Um, you're going to lose Carlo Kemp, who, you know, for all of his flaws is going to be, you know, has been sort of a, uh, a keystone of the defense the past two years. I, I will um, give a hot take here, which is that the defense is so bad right now that I wouldn't rule it out getting better next year. And, re- and one thing I will say is it's partly an injury thing, but it's also, um, if it does get better, the irony is it'll get better because guys that 
Don Brown is refusing to play, like Selden or Kalel Mullings, the true freshman, turn out to be good and ready to go, which I won't rule out. You know, like, I guess my, my point being, like, there's there's potential in this defense that is not being tapped that we could see next year, and that's an indictment of the way the defense is being run currently. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're, you're definitely right about that. Um, I, I actually, what I was going to say, I'm, what I meant is the personnel will be worse. You know, uh, I think in terms of at least, like, who was supposed to be starting, you know, at the beginning of the year. Yeah, especially if you um, add in Ambry, like, if you assumed he was going to be on the defense, then yeah, for sure. Yeah, actually, absolutely. I, I could definitely see it being better, just, like, if they have a coherent, you know, scheme, um, and it looks like they practice, you know. Yeah. But uh, it's, it's like, I, I, what, I meant, what I meant to say is, like, there is no cavalry coming next year, you know, so um, right. that's I, sort of my, my general take. I want to make, I think this is a good point to make kind of a broad point that, is not fully developed, but I've been thinking about since I saw last night uh, MGO blog diary about sort of getting into the weeds of recruiting operations and what Michigan could do to improve that. Um, the, the key point, like I said, in defensive staff is we need better recruiters across the board. We need guys who have a track record, who are young and hungry, and who are going to be held accountable for bringing in recruits. I think accountability is key here because Brown is not held accountable for that and his guys are not held accountable for that, and that's where we are now. Um, but – like, I think broader spectrum, like, Michigan needs to think a little bit outside the box um, because, you know, with the status quo being what it is, they're not going to – probably not going to be at recruiting parity for Ohio, with Ohio State for the foreseeable future or with Bama or Clemson, et cetera. So, like, the way, the way to start playing this would be to get out in front of some of the name image likeness stuff and just make sure that you have, stra- you know, people that are thinking strategically around your athletic department who aren't even on the coaching staff necessarily. But just I think Michigan needs to revamp – and reorganize recruiting as a whole. People like Dudek. He's probably doing an okay job. He's the recruiting director. Um, but I think there just needs to be, like, the, 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 you know, one of the easiest things that Harbaugh can do, because he has the money to do it, is to just take a step back and do sort of a holistic audit of recruiting and say, all right, where can we find any kind of advantage on our opponents, you know, whether it's advanced stats or, like, whatever else, um, and really dig deeper into that and hire people to do it. Yeah, I, I 100% agree, and I think that that's, that's something that just needs to happen. They, there needs to be a roster audit. Um, you know, like, they need to go through and just right now be like, okay, because if Harbaugh's extended, right, like, this isn't a situation where it's like, oh, yeah, like, he's in full rebuild mode. It's like, no, like, this is a situation where, like, if he's given another chance, he better win in the next, like, win a Big Ten championship, honestly, in the next three years, and, and like, clearly be trending upward for the next two years. Um, you know, or else, like, what's the point? And, uh, and so, like, you, that, that includes doing a full roster audit and looking at this, like, okay, where are we at? What do we need next year? You know, what do we need the year after that? Um, and then what do we, like, wh- what does that mean recruiting-wise this year? What does this, that mean from a transfer perspective? Um, you know, like, like, literally, this is a frustrating part where it's, like, it feels like they haven't been doing this for the past, you know, two or three years. It's just, like, what does the composition of our class need to look like? You know, it's 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 very easy to do. You know, transfers it's, I'm is not a big one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Transfers it, is huge. I I I don't want to cut you off. I just want to say like Michigan. There's so many guys that Michigan can probably get if they want that are transferring out of like a group of five schools, and Michigan should be getting more of those guys. There should be more Mike Danas coming to Michigan. Absolutely, and and we've seen teams like Ohio State do this. You know, and, and like really patch holes immediately. You know, basically in the, in the free agent market. Um, yeah, that's got to be something they do more heavily. They have not taken advantage of that. Um, but, you know, it's, it's look, it's not 
I'm not saying it's easy to beat Ohio State. I'm not saying it's easy to, you know, do the things we're asking of Jim Harbaugh. But something I will say is easy is, like, it's easy to have a full and complete team where you have competent players at every level. And that that just needs to be, you know, it needs to be the case. I mean, I don't know. It's 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 not hard to look at a roster and say, what are we going to need next year? What are we going to need the year after that? What are we going to need the year after that? Right. Um, and, so, and to be clear, it seems like Indiana can do it with way less resources and less cachet as, as we have painfully discovered this year, right? Uh, Michigan State has, even as they've entered this kind of terrible period for them, they've still done it on defense, at least. Like, they've still managed to find the guys on defense um, that Michigan is lacking, like DTs and cornerbacks. So, yeah, I mean, there's a... I, I think that gets into my... This is kind of unorganized way of making this point, but I think that the defense is a great way to frame it. It's like, the the problem here... The problem with this undermined Harbaugh is not that every Harbaugh team has been like a horrible disaster like this team. Obviously not. The problem is... If Harbaugh has had a coherent, what he believes to be a coherent plan to beat Ohio State, it has not worked at all and has in fact been kind of embarrassing. And then the only path forward is to build every aspect of the program from like the equipment managers on up <laughs> to beat Ohio State. Yep. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and so, you know, I guess I guess moving on a little bit, I, th- I think recruiting is a great way to, you know, sort of frame that, that issue. Um, I think that's where, you know, a lot of the – the problems lie. Um, <clears throat> and then uh, I, I guess we'll move on to the offensive side of the ball here. I think we probably have a little bit less to stay because I think the offensive staff is like built better in general. Um, but I think that the number one thing to talk about here is, uh, you know, Jim Harbaugh slash Josh Gaddis. Um, so, you know, I think those are the two guys that are having hands in calling the plays right now. Um, so what do we want to happen there? You know, if, if we're going to have faith that, you know, this team can build a decent offense going forward. Yeah, I mean, I'll say something kind of um, perverse, which is that if Gaddis, here, here's what I'll say for Gaddis. He's a good recruiter. I have not totally given up on him as a play caller yet or a game planner because he has done that well last year, certainly at various points. Like I thought like for Bama, he did a great job, for instance. Um if he can if he can keep Xavier Worthy in the class and if he can get Donovan Edwards to campus, then I, I feel a lot better about saying, okay, we can we can keep messing with Josh Gaddis. Um, if he keeps, you know, doing if he keeps doing a better job recruiting than previous hardball offensive guys. I, I think the play calling and what he actually wants to do as far as his offense is still kind of a mystery. Where I'm willing to maybe give him a pass is that it is a deeply weird year and Michigan has had immense quarterback trouble, some of which is entirely the program's fault and some of which is just injuries and weirdness and not their fault. So am I willing to give Gaddis another spin if he keeps bringing in elite recruits and you know get J.J. McCarthy to campus and have a, a good quarterback competition? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think three years is a fair shake. I don't know how you feel about it, Dan. Yeah, um, I agree because he's been such a good recruiter and because we've seen flashes from an offensive game planning perspective and because I feel as though the offense... I mean, like, you can sort of say... that this is The offense is the area where you can say, like, hey, kind of weird year, right? I mean, breaking in four offensive line starters and then a bunch of them get hurt. So, you know, the offensive line being a mess is sort of understandable. Um, for some reason, your presumptive starting quarterback leaves 
at the beginning of the season. Uh, you know, who's to say whether he would have been good or not? Um, but, you know, I think we can clearly say that the, the quarterback room right now is a mess. Um, and, and then, you know, both of your the guys you have starting get hurt, uh, you know, and, and it just looks even worse. Um, you know, and he is a he has clearly been an elite recruiter. So I would say, like, you know, he can stick around. Um, but I would say that, you know, they've got to bring in a transfer quarterback because Cade McNamara and and Joe Milton, I'm okay with them competing for the job next year along with J.J. McCarthy, but we need a guy that we know is competent because neither of these guys, from what they've shown this year, can lead a team that can compete for the Big Ten, if I'm being honest. Well, um, I'm, I'm, especially, I'm, I'm... Go ahead. Okay, yeah, I mean, look, you can, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm not, I'm, what I'm saying is a little bit controversial. Um, so, you know, I'm, what I'm, to be clear, I'm not giving up on Joe Milton or Cade McNamara. Um, I'm just saying, like, they need to look at the quarterback situation as we got to figure something out next year. You know what I mean? Like, it can't be an, a developmental year for the quarterbacks next year. Yeah, well, let me, look, I mean, this might be a place where we actually just disagree. That's fine. But I, I think Milton... I feel very bad about, and I and I, I don't necessarily see him making another big leap for next year and being the guy, just because he still seems so behind on the mental aspects of the game. Um, and part of that is probably the weirdness of this year. But like, yeah, Milton, I'll kind of put him to the side for for a second. I, I think we just don't like. Look, here's the thing about Caden McNamara, right? I, I think of the eighty people that are going to hear this, I think some of them probably need to hear it. It's this. Cade McNamara's performance against Rutgers was far better than Dylan McCaffrey's entire previous resume as a college football passer. It just was. Like, it was just way better. Like, <laughs> that game performance was way better than the totality that we saw from Dylan McCaffrey. And then Cade McNamara comes out and gets hurt um, in the next game. And, you know, I, I think the jury's still out on him. I could definitely see him being a, a, a pretty good quarterback and in year three in the program. I think he's, you know, a viable option to compete for the job. And then you have a stud freshman coming in if he makes it to campus um, who could e very easily become a starter. I think, you know, true freshman starting quarterbacks is a thing these days. So all, all of that is to say, you know, if, if Milton like transfers and you need a third quarterback in general and it's not going to be Valari, then, then I'm like, yeah, that solidifies my, my position for like, we need three guys who can play the position on the team. Um, but I actually think that like Cade McNamara and J.J. McCarthy – is a pretty is is not a terrible pair of quarterbacks to have. Um, looking at trying to compete next season, maybe I'm crazy. Yeah. Okay. Look, I'll buy that. Here's here's my general what I'm saying. Like, it, it going along with our theme of like, hey, this can't be a second rebuild. I'm just saying you better have an answer next year. If that answer is JJ McCarthy, sure, fine. If that answer is Cade McNamara, sure, fine. But the answer can't be ah shoot, we sort of forgot again. You know what I mean? That's, <laughs> that's fair. That's, that's totally like, fair. That's 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 what because it feels like that was the answer this year. It was like, oh, let's just throw Joe Milton out there and have him like not read anything. And it was like, okay, that's, I mean, guys, come on. <laughs> so, um, anyway, yeah. So I, I think back, kind of circling back to Josh Gaddis, I think we're both okay with him staying as long as you know they have a quarterback that they feel comfortable with, um, and that you know Josh Gaddis is allowed to run what he actually wants to run. Um, you know, if it's another year of this yo-yoing back and forth between, you know, good game plans and bad game plans, then it's like, I mean, first of all, then Harbaugh, you know, that's, that's a Harbaugh thing. And, you know, goes back to our idea that Harbaugh needs to go 
And then it's it's also like, hey, what's the point of having Josh Gaddis here at all? Um, right. What we need to see from Gaddis and from the offense in general is we need to see a level of cohesion to where the offense is able to step up to the line of scrimmage and run concepts that they know very well, whatever the variation of the concept may be. They know the concept incredibly well. They're running it confidently. They're not looking at the sideline and calling a timeout so that they can hand it off and run between the tackles, which is we've seen Michigan do throughout the hardball era, right? It, it has to do with, like, it's, it's, it's less about, like, installing the brilliant scheme and more about getting the players prepared to play and capitalize on what they're doing and having guys who are able to do it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, oh, sorry. So then, yeah, moving on to, you know, the, the rest of the offensive staff here. Um, I think we probably won't have much to say about this one. Jay Harbaugh. Um, I actually think Jay Harbaugh's, you know, a pretty damn good running backs coach. Uh, running backs, definitely a, a position where I don't care how you are as a coach. I care how you recruit. And he's recruited really well. Um, I don't know. He's the, he's the coach's son and, you know, he's a nepotism hire and he's actually been sort of a plus. Um, so Connor, any other additional thoughts? If Harbaugh gets fired, uh, I think Jay ball will go somewhere else and do well because he's clearly a good recruiter. And I don't think that the running backs have like obvious coaching flaws. They're, 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 they're failings this year, mostly that they're running into a brick wall, uh, <laughs> based on <laughs> play calling in the offensive line situation. So, um, yeah, I like Jay ball. Simple as that. I think he's very. I think he's quite good at what he does, and I don't think that there's an obvious upgrade out there. As much as people love Mike Hart, which I get, but like Jay Ball's a better recruiter than Mike Hart, <laughs> as of now yep. at least. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, I wouldn't hate bringing Mike Hart on staff in some form, but you know that's a whole other conversation. Um, then moving on here uh, to kind of our like, what exactly are you doing here, um, guy of the staff? <laughs> Uh, Ben McDaniels. I mean, what is there to say here? I, J- Jim Harbaugh. If Jim Harbaugh is not the offensive coordinator, like he should at least nominally be the quarterbacks coach, and we should not be wasting a coaching spot on Ben McDaniels, who is never mentioned in any recruiting, and whose quarterbacks consistently look like they do not know what they're doing. So, I again, I don't know what to say about Ben McDaniels. I mean, he's possibly like if you kind of triangulate like program situation, salary, um, and results, you could make an argument for him as the worst position coach in FBS. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I would not say that about other guys that I want to fire, like Nua, for instance. I don't think Nua is the worst defensive line coach in FBS by any stretch. Um, but McDaniels, like you said, doesn't seem to have any impact on recruiting. Um, and I, like, what the hell are they doing with these quarterbacks? It seems like every time a Michigan quarterback plays a good game, they then like take them into the depths of Schembechler Hall and strap them into a chair and like do a clockwork orange on them and traumatize them so the next time they go out <laughs> they look like terrified and unable to play. It is it is deeply weird. I think if you if you watch this team closely, it's not it's not just like it's not like Notre Dame fans where they're like, ah, oh, Ian Book sucks, you know, he's inconsistent. Like, yeah, he is. But like, you know, Notre Dame's had, you know, pretty good quarterback play over the last few years, if not amazing. Um, they're they just have college quarterbacks who are kind of marginal pros. Like, at this point, Michigan is kind of begging for, like, just a college quarterback who's a marginal pro. Like, we're hoping Cade can be that, right? Um, just a guy who can run the damn offense and not look terrified out there. And, I, yeah, McDaniels, I think Michigan would be better off truly with nobody coaching the quarterbacks. If the quarterbacks just went and, like, threw balls in a field to the walk-ons while the rest of the team practice, that would be better than whatever it is they're currently doing. 
<laughs> uh, yeah, truly. I mean, it's it's every quarterback that they've had has regressed. Um, and Ben McDaniels hasn't been there in the entire time, but it's like I I just don't know what to say. This isn't rocket. I mean, look, I'm not saying it's easy to coach quarterbacks, but it's also not rocket science. Like I've seen. I mean, I don't know. Jack Tuttle for Indiana looked like he knew what he was doing um, on Saturday. Uh, you know, I've seen, like, worse... Like, Rocky Lombardi, for all of his physical flaws, has looked like he knows what he is doing in, in Michigan State's offense. And and he's still bad, don't get me wrong, because he's completely inaccurate and, you know, just, like, a completely marginal college quarterback, like, from a physical perspective. But... He looks like he goes out there and he calls the plays and he looks like he, you know, can I like knows what he's supposed to be looking at in every play. Um, you know, whether or not he can do it is a totally different question. But that's something that Michigan's quarterbacks have not had since. I mean, I guess in twenty eighteen, Shea Patterson was good at running zone read. Um, you know, so whatever, and that that offense had its own issues, but like. Since since Josh Gaddis has been here, like the the quarterback's supposed to be making reads, and they have not just not been able to do so the entire time. So I don't know. Yeah, there's got to be a change at quarterbacks coach. Um, and I would even be okay with like I'd be okay with bringing in a wide receivers coach and have Josh Gaddis coach the quarterbacks. Um, even though he's not a quarterbacks coach, just like have him drill the reads every day. Uh, I, I don't know what to say. Um, or bring in Devin Gardner. Actually, I feel like Devin Gardner has been like hanging out in the you know Detroit area running like a quarterback's <laughs> academy. He's like auditioning for this job. Like, fine. I mean, he's probably better than what they have now, you know? Did you did you see the video of him? I, I'm, I'm just laughing because did you see the video of him leveling those like six and seven-year-olds? Yeah, he's just like destroying camp. seven-year-old kids. That's pretty, it was hilarious. I mean, yeah, it was he's, pretty funny, but deeply uh, weird. I would say. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I guess that's just what I'm saying is like it, it would be yeah, hard no, not I, to improve this position. So like, there's lots of options. But like, um, yeah. hey, you know, wasn't Scott Loeffler quarterback at Michigan? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's it's look, it's 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 a whole it's a whole mess right now. I think we're both in agreement on Beckman Daniels though. A um, little bit. Uh, so Ed Warner, um, I think I think you keep him. I think he's one still one of the best offensive uh, line coaches in the country. Um, he's been a good recruiter. Uh, I would say good, not great, but, like, definitely good enough. Um, and, uh, you know, I think the offensive line issues this year, like, are very explainable, and I don't blame him for what's happened. Um, I've been playing, like, they're, like, 11th and 12th offensive linemen recently. And that's yeah, just in six yeah. games, which is, like, a catastrophic, like, situation. And it hasn't been, it hasn't been disastrous, like, 2017. No. So, you know, I mean, like... I'm, I'm okay with where the offensive line is at still with this program. I think we were hoping it was going to be a little bit better, but, you know, then injuries happen. Um, and also, uh, I would also say that, like, the offense being such a mess, it, it feels like some of this is, like, schematic, where they're not being put in positions, you know, where they have the numbers to succeed or the leverage to succeed or whatever. Um, so we're yeah. both okay with Ed Warner. I think it's worth um, underlining think, this point because, like, to me, Warner is not just a very good position coach, which he is. He's an amazing developmental guy. But also, like, um, he's – I think his talent scouting is just phenomenal. Because, like you said, they're not getting, like, five-star offensive linemen. But he's going out and finding these guys who are, like, you know, rated in the 200s or so, like, low four-stars. And, you know, he goes out and gets them. Uh, he seems to get, like, whoever he really wants. 
and then they're ready to go within a year or two. And a lot of them are just mauling people. And, like, that's <laughs> that's rare. Like, there are very few teams that can say that about their offensive line coach. Like, there's really only a handful. So uh, we're super lucky to have him. The biggest mistake you could make right now at Michigan, even if you were bringing in – and if you were a new head coach, like, the biggest mistake a new head coach could be could make would be to not try their hardest to keep Ed Warner, I think. Yep, agree. Um, and then another one, you know, I think we can, you know, pretty much both agree on, Sharon Moore. Um, so he's he's kind of the, the prototype for what you'd want as a position coach in mo- for most of these cases, um, in that he's just, you know, look the, the tight ends have kind of been a mess this year, but I'm not gonna put that on Sharon Moore. I think I'm, I'm sure Sharon Moore tells Eric all that he should catch the ball. Um, <laughs> yeah. So Eric, know, I got a tip I, for I mean, like, I don't know. That's not that's not a coaching issue. Like catch the ball, Eric all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but. Uh, you know, I, I, he, but he's been a very good recruiter, both as a tight ends coach and just in general. So I'm okay with keeping him. You know, I think that that the tight end sort of being a mess is kind of a one-off type thing. Um, you know, with Nick Eubanks being in and out um, and Eric All like just having the a case of the yips. Um, I, I'm good with keeping him. I don't know if you have any other any other uh, any disagreements there. Yeah, you got to keep him. And ideally, you need to clone him a couple times. Because really, like, what we're saying here is Michigan needs a couple of Sharon Moores. Because he can recruit any position, and all kids seemingly love him. And he's gotten some huge scores. I mean, he was the primary recruiter for Dax Hill, for instance. Um, I could look it up. But he's recruited a bunch of the very highest-ranked guys that Michigan's gotten. So you need you need him. You need more like him. Also, the tight ends thing. I mean, I will say this. Like, I think a lot of the tight end, you summed it up. Like, it's, it's Eric all having the yips, which he seems to have mostly gotten over, which is not a coaching thing. I also want to say... I hate to rip on a kid like this, but like Nick Eubanks might be the worst blocker I've seen in, in the hardball era. Like he, he just like some of his blocks look like me trying to block a linebacker where he just kind of like shuffles out of the guy's way. So that's, I don't know if that's a coaching issue after like five years of being on campus. I think he's just terrible at it. Yeah. I mean, I think, and I also think like Michigan, I mean, look, Nick Eubanks is a special kind of a, a case where it's like, he came in as sort of a jumbo receiver and they probably should have just kept him that way because he sucks at blocking and now he's slow. Um, <laughs> but like, it's also like, we've seen good blockers in the Harbaugh era, you know? I mean, there's Nick, I mean, first of all, Eric all is a great blocker. Yeah. Um, so like, I don't think that's a coaching issue. I think it's just maybe a Nick Eubanks issue. Um, not to shit on the kid. It's he was, by all means seems like, you know, a good leader or whatever. And has, has been a plus player in his time in Ann Arbor, just kind of never quite put it all together. Um, so, you know, I mean, with that, with all that said, uh, for, you know, the rest of, for, for the entire staff, um, you know, I guess let's talk about what we would want to, I mean, this is all assuming Jim Harbaugh comes back. So I know, I think we, everyone knows we, we want him to get fired. Soup, um, but, soup, soup. Soup, exactly. But what would you want to see from Jim Harbaugh? Uh, you know, not from the team in general, we'll talk about that a little bit, but specifically from Jim Harbaugh in a hypothetical 2021? I mean, I think a lot of it weirdly is rhetorical because it's easy to just say things, right? But, and this is what I don't think we'll get because it just isn't Harbaugh's personality. I would love for Harbaugh to do what Brian Kelly has done at various points as a coach because Kelly's an asshole. People don't like Brian Kelly. I think a lot of his players hate him. <laughs> a, lot of the, a lot of the fans yeah. hate him. But he's having great success the last three years. Honestly, phenomenal success. The kind of success that Michigan you know, kind of dreams of. Um, and I think part of it is that he's willing to do mea culpas and just say like, I, and sometimes it's bad. Like you can overdo it. I think it was a few years ago. He was like, well, 
this might have been after the they got whooped by Bama in the title game. He just said, like, well, I'm going to focus on making sure we recruit guys who are not going to get boat raced by Bama, which is, like, kind of a terrible <laughs> a terrible thing to say about your players. But also, like, yeah, you know, he gets it. Like, he said, all right, we're too slow to compete with Bama. We need to recruit more speed on both sides of the ball. And he's done that, right? And I don't think we're going to get an epic mea culpa from Jim where he says, like, hey, I've screwed up. I'm sorry, everybody. We need a plan to defeat Ohio State. And from now on, Everything is about beating Ohio State and competing for Big Ten titles and doing it as smartly as possible. I don't think we're going to hear that. I think there are ways that Jim could signal it. Um, I have to, I'd have to think a little bit more about what those are. I think part of it is just letting Gaddis run the offense and simplify the offense into some basic stuff that, you know, if, if we feel like the team is doing that, if we feel like the team is doing what they were doing, for instance, in the Minnesota game this year or in the Bama game last year, where it looks like Michigan has a cohesive offense that – they know what they want to run, and the, the play calls are situated to the, you know to what the uh, opposing defense is showing, and it's just a matter of execution, um, and you either get it or you don't. That's one way that I'll, I'll feel better about how things are going. Also, you know, if I feel like there's accountability for the recruiting operation, like it's, it's an emphasis on bringing in recruiters and then making sure they bring in top talent uh, across the board, and then also the transfer market. If if Jim can show that he's willing to go after transfers to fill the uh, the holes right now. A lot of it has to do with a sense of uh, some humility about beating Ohio State and also showing urgency around the things that are obvious problems with the program. And to be clear, I, I don't think Jim is incapable of this because I think that when he first got to Michigan, he was doing a lot of these things better than he is right now. Um, so I don't think it's a hopeless situation. I also don't think that Har- – I also wonder about Harbaugh's stubbornness uh, and the general hard-headedness of like you know anyone as they get older and kind of harden into who they are. I don't know. I'm rambling now. What do you think, Dan? Um, yeah, I agree with your concerns there. Um, I think something that I want to see from him is um, just a, a little bit of. Gosh, it's hard to really like put this into like concrete words. Um, but I would need to look the wake-up call for Jim Harbaugh should have come in 2018 after they got boat raced by Ohio State in the year that, you know, they, they really thought that they had him. You know, that should have been like, uh, okay, what are we doing wrong, uh, you know, situation. Um, so what I think I'd, I'd want to see is ultimately like that this is – like this being the first time that things have truly, truly come off the rails, just like – uh, yeah, like you said, kind of a, a mea culpa and not publicly, but just like through his actions saying like, okay, clearly something is fundamentally wrong here. Like we are doing something wrong as a coaching staff and I am doing something wrong as the head of this program. And we are going to fundamentally change how Michigan does things. Um, and that's, that's, you know, from everything we've said so far, from recruiting, from a staff perspective, and, you know, from a like, like clearly see in the off season, like uh, a not just like, hey, we're going to go into the year with our guys. Like, a, no, like, what do we need to compete with, you know, Ohio State? And, I mean, God, I mean, at this point, what do we need to compete with, like, even Wisconsin and Penn State and, and, and Indiana, for God's sake? To beat know? Michigan State again. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, so so that that's really what you, what you need to see is, like, a, I would say a sense of urgency and a sense of, like, understanding that things have gone badly wrong. Um, which, you know, I think we've seen that he, he clearly knows things are bad right now. Um but I think that there's like in the worst possible world in like in a in a world where he gets extended, I think you could potentially see him like sort of be like, hey, I trust myself. I'm going to keep, you know, stay the course or whatever and just be stubborn. 
Um, I don't think it's a given that he's really going to look at himself in the mirror because, you know, I, I think that football coaches tend to be very hard-headed, um, as, you know, we've sort of discussed before. Um, so then moving on to sort of like what we would need to see from the team, you know, from a results perspective, uh, just in 2021, um, you know, like what, what do we need to like believe in, uh, you know, believe in, in, in Jim Harbaugh going forward? Um, you know, uh, you know, I will say, I'll say just like next year to give you a little bit of, um, context, Connor, uh, with the, the out of conference games are Washington, Western Michigan and Northern Illinois. Um, and the crossovers are Wisconsin and Nebraska. So, um, what do we, what are some things you'd be looking for if we go into next season with Jim Harbaugh as the head coach? Um, and you know, this like some level of the staff changes we talked about. I, I have a hot take, um, that I don't think you're going to like, which is, I don't think that any of those games are like unclimbable mountains. If Michigan does things right in the off season and the, the lead up to next year, because like, for instance, like Penn State's a, a huge mess right now too, so I don't I don't think that the, that next year they're going to suddenly be untouchable for Michigan. Um, Wisconsin's not a mess, but they were massively overrated, and they got their two wins against a Michigan team that was completely off the rails, especially on defense, and an Illinois team that before Illinois became like the secretly most dangerous team in the Big Ten, I guess um, the three the three win in a row Illini smoke as I call them, um, but like. You know, like looking at that schedule, it's like, do I think anybody but except for Ohio State, Ohio State's still going to be unbeatable, um, is unbeatable. I don't expect to beat all those teams, certainly. But like, I don't, you know, I guess what I want to see is Michigan giving all those teams a fight, not looking totally overmatched and winning the majority of the, you know, certainly the large majority of those games. Um, because I still don't think that with what Michigan brings back next year, like if you assume the offense gets better, which seems almost inevitable because it's like as you know as Steven Zach had pointed out it's like one of the youngest offenses in the country in all of FBS right now um you assume the offensive line gets older and better you assume you know the running backs are still good receivers are still pretty good um bring in some young guys who can make plays right away hopefully have a better quarterback situation etc etc that looks like a could be kind of good maybe if things break Michigan's way and if they prepare correctly which are big ifs at this point um, and then defense, you know, you just hope that it's not as complete garbage fire. I, I don't know. I'm rambling again. I, I just am not like as out on next season as I think some people are. Part as I think this season has been so extreme. The key points there being COVID throwing a wrench into everything, Michigan being young to begin with, no matter what. And then the injury situation, the injury situation has been truly unbelievable. If you can count, if you include opt-outs, if you include opt-outs, it's just Michigan's been down like maybe their six or seven best players at various points. Like, they're truly their top six or seven. So, that's where I'm at. Yeah, I think I would need to see... Um, I think the first thing I would want to say is, like, I, I think I'm sick of seeing embarrassing blowouts. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, it goes without saying, but, like, it, there is nobody on Michigan's schedule, apart from Ohio State. And, I mean, even Ohio State. Like, we should... They should not be getting embarrassingly blown out by any... Like, by Wisconsin, you know. This... There, there cannot be any just complete boondoggles. Um, they need to go into every game with a coherent game plan that utilizes, you know, their talent advantages and minimizes their talent deficiencies. 
um, in a way that, like, they are not getting, you know, boat raced by, like, mediocre to good teams. Um, I think that's something that is, you know, to use a, a, a fan buzzword, unacceptable at this point. Um, and then I would say, like, you know, for, you know, you need to beat, Ohio, need to beat Michigan State. You know, get back to beating, like, the teams you should beat, whether that's Michigan State or, you know, Indiana. Um, you know, have some blowouts against, uh, you know, the lesser teams, um, you know, Rutgers and, and Western Michigan. And, uh, you know, I mean, even Northwestern, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I guess, who knows how good Oh, don't let, don't let uh, Ben G hear you say that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I know. that's. That. I realized how bad uh, that sounds. Um, but... You know, I mean, I like generally look like a, a, a Harbaugh Michigan team does. Um, you know that they are beating the teams they should beat and competitive in all games. Um, and then I think at the very least, I, I need to see like a competitive game against Ohio State or just a game where it looks like they are aware of their talent and efficiencies against Ohio State um, and try to minimize them. You know, I, I don't know. Like the, it needs to be at least more competitive than it has been. Um, and, you know, it is, this coaching staff just needs to look like it has a plan. Yeah. I think the key thing for me is, like, I would accept, kind of happily at this point, I'd accept a 2019-esque season if the air looked like the arrows were up. By arrows up, I mean player development gets better than this year. It looks like recruiting is being figured out. Um, it looks like the transfer market's being utilized. It looks like the new staff, of which there will, there will certainly be some, are good hires who are trending upwards. And just, like, the general... It ultimately comes down to vibes. It's like, is Michigan going to, like, turn things around and win the Big Ten next year? Almost certainly not. Um, you know, unless J.J. McCarthy is the second coming of Trevor Lawrence. Um, <laughs> but, like, better. <laughs> um, yeah. But, like, the key the key thing is, like, I'm happy to accept, you know, uh, eight, nine wins. Uh, if Michigan is fighting in those games, if they're coming out, like you said, coherent game plans. If the self-eval has been done... And it looks like Michigan understands what they have, what the opponent has, and are playing games within those confines, right? Which is like this is this is where it gets down to brass tacks with Jim and Don Brown. Like one of the reasons we've loved those guys over the years is because they are so hard headed, and they're just like we're gonna go to war, you know? Like we've got you're gonna go to war with the army you have, and the army we're gonna act like it's like we're as good as anybody, and we can go play press man against Bama. And like sometimes it, you know, sometimes you play pretty well against Bama with press man and still lose, but it's like. That attitude no longer has currency in big-time college football, right? And Michigan needs to be a team that shows humility. I think the key word for next year is, like, is honestly just humility um, and being realistic, which leads to being strategic. Yeah, yeah, I think um, – yeah, I think that that's, that's just it, – it really does come down to, like, look – I don't even need, like – I'm not looking for, like, a Big Ten title next year. You know, I'm not, I'm not looking for – specific like win loss you know totals even i i want to see that this team is trending upward and that it yeah not to restate what you just said but you know that it looks like this team has done the offseason evaluations um and that they have created like you know both a coherent defense or offense that they are not reinventing halfway through the season for you know like the third straight year <laughs> um, <laughs> or i guess it would be the fourth straight year at this point you know it's it, it's just it, it's been a consistent theme and you know, I mean, like, now that we've gotten through all of this and we've gone through the coaching staff, we've gone through what we want to see from the team and what we want to see from Harbaugh, like, that is so much stuff we just listed. Like, it comes back to our ultimate point that, like, there is no reason to expect that we are going to receive that from Jim Harbaugh. You know, I just, 
that is so much to ask for for somebody to just reinvent themselves in that way. Um, I don't know. I my I am I am not optimistic that if Michigan were to keep Harbaugh, that we would get even half of what we just uh, kind of described. I'm, I'm not sure what you how you feel about it, Connor. Yeah, I I mean, what this hinges on is Harbaugh remaining incredibly competitive, which I think he is in a sense. Like, I don't think I think he wants to play like Harbaugh probably more than any coach in the current college football landscape. Like if he had the opportunity to like take his team out there against an NFL team, he'd probably do it because he just loves that shit. Right. He just wants to go to war um, and have a you know whatever rock fight he can get himself into. But so he needs to we need to hope that he's still competitive, but that the competitiveness needs to be coupled with a kind of awareness and insight that it seemed like he had early on at Michigan um, when he was like, again, hiring Don Brown, that was a great hire at the time. And it, and it worked out really well for years. Um, and like you said, the real, the real ominous moment, the moment that we all started to sour on this was the 2018 Ohio state game. Um, and Harbaugh did not respond to that with the kind of strategic understanding that you would want to see from a really good coach. I mean, we, we know how a guy like Saban or Urban Meyer responds to that. They would have made huge changes. They would have fired a bunch of people and revamped how they did various things. Um, can Harbaugh do that? I mean, that's the million-dollar question right now. And and ideally, like we've said, ideally we wouldn't have to ask it because we'd be bringing in Matt Campbell. Um, you know, given that there is a probably better than 50% chance that Harbaugh's coming back, I, I tend to try to hope for the best and try to take a rosy outlook. So... I would benefit of the doubt is the wrong word at this point in the Harbaugh tenure, but I would at least like over the off season keep track and you know look for bright spots and you know hope that I was seeing good trends. Um, the first the way that would start initially would be like lo- making sure you lock down some recruits and then make really good hires. And so like we'll know within a couple of months whether they, these arrows are actually pointing up. That's that's one good thing is that we'll by by late winter we'll have a pretty good idea of whether the arrows are are moving at all here. Yeah, I totally agree. I think this will be something that like I won't need to wait until the season to see how I feel about this. Like I'm gonna know if Jim Harbaugh gets extended, I'm gonna know whether or not it's like whether or not I'm gonna hate myself all season, like pretty much right away because you know before the season starts because like based on you know the staff hires he makes or whatever like. It's, it's going to be, you know, we're going to be able to know. Um, so, you know, with all that said, um, I just saw two, two little fun things. Uh, one, you know, I've got, the, I've got the NFL games on in the background here. Already seeing big noon Saturday um, promotions for Michigan-Ohio State. Love that. <laughs> it's, it's so cool that not only do we, like, like Michigan can't just suck quietly. We have to, <laughs> we have to like, be hit in the face with, the Michigan-Ohio State game, no matter how lopsided that game is going to be every year. Um, so that owns. So excited for that. Um, and also, literally, it goes from that to a highlight of Donovan Peoples-Jones making a 75-yard touchdown catch um, on a great uh, stop-and-go route where he just run, runs by uh, a Titans cornerback, um, you know, for, for, a, for a 75-yard touchdown pass. So, you know, just have it. I'm really having a great day right now. God damn, dude! So I, I, it's, it's unfortunate that our uh, our our like Donovan Peoples Jones isn't good takes are not uh, are not holding up. <laughs> yeah, I guess maybe. Yeah, maybe maybe he is good. I the uh, 
The I, I we talked about briefly about the Ohio State game because like there's not, it's not worth previewing for obvious reasons. I no, mean, absolutely not. The question in that game is like, is it a game? Does Ohio State score in the fifties, the sixties, or the seventies? Like, I don't think Michigan's holding them below fifty. So, um, oh no way. Yeah. So so I mean actually you know what here let's 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 frame this in a somewhat interesting way. Assuming that the rumors are true and Michigan has agreed to a, an extension with Jim Harbaugh, how do you want them to announce it? Like in relation to the Ohio State game, like what? I don't know. I guess I guess what I'm or do I mean? This is kind of a multi like faceted question. Like, do you think the Ohio State game has um, any impact on the decision itself? Oh, let's start there. Like. Can this Ohio State game be embarrassing enough to really like seal Jim Harbaugh's coffin? I I kind of feel like the decision must have already been made by now because if you're seriously going after guys like Matt Campbell that are going to get a bunch of offers, I think you need to be working on that in various capacities right now. By working on it, I mean like getting to get getting the money, you know, kind of taken care of and all of that stuff. Um, and then simultaneously, like, yeah, Michigan, if they I, – I still hope – is the Ohio State game, like, guaranteed to happen at this point? Because I was, I was hoping that it still wouldn't happen. But let's assume that it does. Um, yeah, I would say – I mean, look, I would say – look, we've seen a lot of teams come back from COVID pretty quickly. Um, if I had to guess right now, I honestly will just guess that it will happen because it feels like – I don't know. It just feels like teams have really been able to limit this to, you know, one-week things. Um, and I just – I don't know. We didn't think Michigan State, Ohio State would happen. It just feels like somehow teams are getting these games in. Um, you know, I hope it doesn't happen, but I, I kind of feel like it will. Weirdly. Yeah. I mean, okay. So let's 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 take in the premise of your question. Uh, I don't think that that actually makes much of a difference because, like, you have to assume that obviously Ohio State's going to destroy Michigan this year. Um, I don't know. I mean, the the things that got us to to this point of the of the fire hardball wagon, you and I were ready to eat an Ohio State loss this year. We were prepared to see a pretty good Michigan team, you know, get hit and get whacked in the face by Ohio State again, and we just assumed we would beat Michigan State and probably, uh, you know, be and hopefully beat Wisconsin and Penn State and everybody else. Um, no, I don't think it actually matters that much. And I and th- thus the way I would announce it, I would just if you've decided if Ward is if Ward and Athletic Department have decided this at any point they were going to extend Harbaugh, they should have announced it as soon as they decided it. Because I don't know what waffling and waiting to see these results does for you, really. Because, like, again, what's another... I hate to say this, but, like, what's another Ohio State loss at this point? Like, we that's baked in to our expectations. And the, and the next time it doesn't happen will be the exception. So, no, I mean, I would, I would announce it right away because it's recruiting signing day is coming up. And, and what I'm worried about right now is losing a bunch of recruits. So... If, you're, if he's your guy, announce that he's your guy and let him recruit. That's what I say. Yeah, I wonder if they're trying to have their cake and eat it too and sort of be like, okay, Jim, like, you know, the, let's say they've, they've agreed to, you know, extend the contract. Um, maybe Jim is telling recruits that he's definitely, like, he's like, hey, I've signed the contract. We're just not announcing it yet for whatever bullshit reason he comes up with. And they're trying not to have a situation where they announce, they announce the um, extension and then get, you know, fucking smoked by Ohio State, even if people are expecting that, it's just going to look so, so bad, you know? Um, And I think it could impact ticket sales. Um, Maybe they're trying to, like, you know, have Jim Harbaugh tell these recruits that he's coming back and then, like, sort of slip in, 
uh, they'll they'll slip in like the Harbaugh extension on like inauguration day or something. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> that's really funny. I mean, but like you know, the, that gets to the key point. There's not a there's not like a good time where it's like the perfect time going forward because we're we're already heading towards early signing day, and then we got got to hire assistant coaches. And like Michigan can certainly hire coaches, but your 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 pool will be better if they know that the head coach is is there, right? So yeah, I mean, look the 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 absolute. The, the must here is that you need whatever they are going to do, whether it's fire Harbaugh or keep Harbaugh or whatever, you need to do it in the correct time frame so you can hit the coaching carousel. You know, like this needs to be whether or not, whether they're going to hire Harbaugh or keep Harbaugh or get rid of him. It's going to need, they're going to need the full extent of the coaching carousel to make any of it work. So they need to do everything in the correct time frame. This can't be a situation where like, you know, in 2014, Harbaugh kind of, like, you had to wait until the NFL season was over and blah, blah, blah. Like, you – or and then, you know, for, for Michigan State last offseason, um, they kind of – there was weird time with Mark D'Antonio's retirement, and that's what led to them kind of having to settle for Mel Tucker. Like, you need to do this in the correct time frame, um, whatever they do. So I think that's the biggest thing, you know, honestly. Yeah, and and this you know right now this whole situation is another thing that's wrong with Michigan football. On top of everything else, is that this uncertainty has been handled uh, in a pretty unimpressive way. And I, and I get that you don't do midseason firings of head coaches. I understand that. I mean, you you can if you're South Carolina. I don't think that was the right move. Right, that just throws everything into even more chaos. But yeah, right now it's becoming a problem. Um, <laughs> I. Ah man, I don't know. What this, this what breaks my heart is that like the the, the recruits who actually can help this team, um, there are some guys who are like real pluses and would be real arrows up at certain areas. Like a lot of those guys are going to be in doubt. I think almost no matter what happens, and that sucks. But yeah, I mean, look, it's uh, we, this is a whole other conversation that we would have to get into. But the administration at Michigan has you know, continues to play this bullshit game of like, you know, oh, like, Michigan is a, somehow both above, Michigan is somehow both above, you know, football, above sports ball as, as an institution, um, but then also we're the best at it. You know what I mean? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, it's like, oh, like, you cannot have it both ways. And that's a whole other conversation. Um, about Michigan that, you know, I think we've, we've gone a little, a little long here, you know, and we've rambled a lot. So maybe that's another long form discussion we could have on the ACE pod or, or on this podcast in the off season. But like, it's, you, Michigan is not special. Michigan has to, you know, do the things that it, that normal, like big time programs do to stay competitive. And, you know, that means like thinking about your recruiting classes and, and doing things to, you know, make, make sure that, you know, a certain level of recruiting is maintained through coaching transitions and, you know, making the, uh, you know, getting in on hot coaching candidates before Texas get a chance, gets a chance to make their godfather offer to Matt Campbell. Um, and, you know, it's, if Michigan is, is hamstrung by this athletic department, um, somehow, whether it be by, you know, having to continue to keep Harbaugh or by not firing him, him in time, you know, that's just yet another indictment on this uh, this athletic department. Yeah, and I just want to say, like, it's kind of a it's kind of a state secret where I did my undergrad, so I'll keep that mystery going. But um, <laughs> there are, I, 
it doesn't have to be like this. You can be a really snooty institution and still say like, you know what? We are not only going to do sports ball, we're going to do it like hard and fast and be good at it because part of the point of being a good institution is you have the money for that. And like, I, I just don't think like this in this area, this has been a problem for Notre Dame in the past, but like in this area of Notre Dame or like Duke basketball, for instance, like those are really snooty elite institutions and they're not causing as many problems for themselves uh, through that as Michigan currently is in football. And it just doesn't like if, if Michigan's ideal of uniqueness is to be kind of uniquely incompetent about what, you know, while, while still having many advantages as a blue blood, but to do like to do as much as they can to undercut and squander those advantages. I, I don't know what to say. I mean, if there are factions within the sort of the grandees who run things at the institution that are okay with that, I don't know why they're okay with it because it doesn't add anything academically to the prestige of the institution. It just looks like incompetence on the sports side of things. So, yeah, for for the entirety of Michigan's glory years, they were also a snooty academic institution. You know, it just doesn't make any sense. You can walk and chew gum. There's nothing stopping you from being both a snooty academic institution and a football powerhouse. Um, you know, the football program is. Uh, it's a professional team that has the same name as the academic institution. Like, that's really what it is at this point. And no one is going to think any less of Michigan academically because of the football program. And that's just – and honestly, you can look at Ohio State as kind of an example of this in a weird way because while they were building this football powerhouse throughout the early aughts and, you know, into the, the 2010s, um, what they were also doing is greatly increasing the academic prestige of Ohio State. Now, is Ohio State on Michigan's level as an academic institution? Of No, but they used to be a terrible school, and they are now, you know, a much better school. Uh, and, and they did that all while making their, you know, football program um, the uh, powerhouse that it is. Yeah, sports um, can actually help and, you. Like, I mean, Duke, one of, the, one of the ways that Duke became, you know— went from sort of a regional elite institution to a national or international elite institution, basketball helped them. Um, like it, it, it was a branding exercise that has, you know, translated into a certain kind of applicant who was good at academics and, and also wanted to watch basketball. And like, it just, it just isn't that complicated. That's part of the appeal of Michigan. One reason that smart kids from all over the world apply to Michigan is because they're interested in going to football games. That's just an obvious thing that I can't believe has to be explained to people. Yeah. It's, it's stupid. I mean, it, it, whatever we, we've made we've, we've done our little <laughs> spiel here um and also i mean i'll just say like another thing like look michigan basketball recruiting i'm not sure if you guys are following this but uh weird how all of a sudden they're getting all of these uh five-star kids they've got the number one class in the country despite never ever doing anything like this under john beeline even when the program was really good um that's so fucking weird uh that's I mean, because like, those five stars I, they all want to come sit in the michigan law library reading room man that's what right they're there for. yeah exactly <laughs> Yeah, we finally found uh, the random French kid that really is into Michigan's uh, poli-sci uh, program. Um, I mean, just, like, clearly someone is doing something here. Someone's giving out bags. Like, I don't I don't know. It doesn't seem to be really um, undermining the prestige of Michigan uh, very much that, you know, we're now competing with Blue Bloods from a, you know, recruiting perspective. So, um, you know, I think we went a little long here. I think we've made a lot of, you know, we, we talked pretty in-depth about this staff um, and some of the problems that Michigan has had. Um, and, you know, I think it all comes down to, ultimately, I hope that this is a very relevant podcast and uh, Michigan has uh, agreed to part ways with Harbaugh um, by the time you all listen to it. <laughs> um, this will be a funny any, any artifact. Thoughts, if, 
Well, not, my last thought is just that. It's like, this will be a really funny artifact to look back on if, like, we get soup next week. And we're like, yay! Oh, my God. Um, Dude, I honestly don't know what I'll do if, if they actually do hire Matt Campbell. Like, we've just... It's become, like, such a... Uh, it's kind of like um, if you've ever had, like, a crush on a girl for a really long time. And then, like, you finally actually, like, get to go out with her. And, like, <laughs> you, you've just... You're just, like, you suddenly don't... Like, you just don't know what to do because it, like, can't possibly live up to your... Yeah, what you've built them up to be in your mind. Um, and that's how I feel about Matt Campbell <laughs> at this point. Uh, I love both, that. Both, Don't worry. Both as a fan and sexually. I mean, no, no one that's listening to, uh, you know, our tiny uh, college football podcast has ever had that experience in real life. So they don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, but absolutely. I, it's like not a bad analogy. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, so, you know, with that, I think that's that'll do it for this week. Um, you know, I think... We're, we're hopefully going to try to do this, like, periodically. Um, we'll see, you know, what, what the Ace Pod has in store for the offseason. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll come back every once in a while with a podcast here. And, uh, you know, I've definitely enjoyed doing it, um, even if the, this season has sucked. Uh, but, um, you know, closing thoughts. Uh, I hope that Ohio State – I don't know. If Ohio State's going to really trounce Michigan, which seems like it, it has to happen – I hope they really do put up a hundred because um, you know, that will both help our cause and it would be like kind of cool. I, I feel like I feel like they can do it. So I, uh, I, I my contrarian view is like I, I can't root for that. I hope Michigan plays as well as possible. <laughs> They're not going to win, but I hope they like put up a surprising fight somehow. That's my hope. But okay, fair enough. Um, I guess with that, uh, we'll close the podcast. Uh, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, thanks Connor for joining. Thanks, man.